This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Thank you for joining us for another Thursday edition, also known as question and answer edition, I guess, also known as the day after, is it Valentine's Day? (laughs) Today's Valentine's Day, isn't it? You got it. So when they listen to this, it will be the day after Valentine's Day. Right. Well, which means that perhaps then I will have had an opportunity to go uh, get my wife something. You know, I'll bet you like at Walmart or someplace like that, that things are cheaper the day after. Wouldn't you Mm -hmm. think there's like a markdown table? There is. I may go do that. So, um, and there's nothing that your husband can get you to make up for the like luck that he has in life and the gift that he's been given. So I doubt he'll even try. Well, you're kind to say that, but I don't know about that. But I, I don't expect anything, and I'm sure Terry doesn't expect anything as well, other than for you to be happy and healthy. Um, Actually, Terry's even worse than that. She threatens that if I do get her something, <laughs> that, she, that she will do something, which is the most hollow threat in the world, because she doesn't have a mean bone in her body. What's she going to mm-hmm. do? She said, <laughs> she said that if I got her something that she would take something else back that I had gotten her in the past. I couldn't even follow the fact pattern. It was so complicated. (laughs) So, uh, yes, of course, I'm going to get her something. She is the sweetest human being on the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. And the second sweetest human being on the face of the earth is the other person on this podcast. So Mm -hmm. if he does not get you something, then... We'll go back to the, we'll go back to the uh, engagement party uh, the night <laughs> before you were married, where John Radcliffe threatened to take your now husband's life. So we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll, go, we'll go all the way back to that. But I am sure that he will do his very best. Mm-hmm. Although my guess is Valentine's Day is not really a day where you sit around and and like I've never seen you eat chocolate, and I don't think you really care about flowers. So. I I wouldn't think you cared about this day, but maybe you do. Mm, I would say that I like to just practice it every day, you know, just walk in love. But some people really love Valentine's Day. They even made like a movie about it. So happy Valentine's Day to those who really love the holiday. And if you're like me, you just kind of go through the day and just live another day. Did I hear you say you'd like to walk in love every day? I try now. I'm not perfect, so I have to have some help from the good Lord above. But God, that'd be exhausted. That's the goal, at least. Oh God, I'm exhausted thinking about that. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, 
I, I can't even, oh, my Lord, I can't even think about trying to do that. You mean, as opposed to like walking the day with cynicism and skepticism? Well, I'm sure it's okay to have some of that too, but okay. that's why we have you to help us balance it out. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get all the love in the world from you and Terry and all the sarcasm and cynicism from, <laughs> from me, and it'll just be working out great, so... Well, I don't know if we have any questions or not. There's not a whole lot going on in the world, so maybe not. Well, there is a lot going on. And I did see, we talked about this last week, since you said you were not going to tune into the Super Bowl, but you were going to watch the Lady Gamecocks. And it looked like they had a good game this past weekend and the games after it. But uh, I they did. wrong. They did. And as you know, my opinion on Gino Oriyama has changed. I was not a huge fan of his, primarily because he would beat Pat Summit when I pulled for Tennessee, the Tennessee women's basketball program, when I first started really following women's basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and they've won a ton. I've softened a little bit as it relates to the coach at UConn. Actually, I've softened quite a bit. I just think it's really cool that two of the best teams in the country play each other because they don't have to. They're not in the same conference. It's They're not like close by. It's not like going up to Charlotte or Raleigh to play, you know, Duke or, or Chapel Hill. So it was a, it was a good game. They have a lot of hurt players and they've had a lot of injuries. Um, but coach Staley's got another really, really good, good team. And it was a, a fun game to watch. I did glance at parts of the Super Bowl. Um, and it, I just, I, I, I mean, it looked like it was a good game. It went to overtime. It, obviously, more more people watched that football game than have ever watched any other sporting event. So I find myself in the minority as like not being super interested in it. I just, it was a good game. I'm happy for that. Um, but my Cowboys broke my heart and my heart has not been mended yet. Well, that's understandable, and we better get started on our questions. We have a range of them, so we'll get started on those now. Thank you all for sending us your thoughts and your questions each week. We'll start with a question from Bob in Oregon, who writes, Is special counsel her required or able to release the transcripts from the Biden classified files investigation? What about the Justice Department? Um, so Robert Hur was appointed special counsel. There's a regulation that governs that. Um, ordinarily, the attorney general or the deputy attorney general or the Department of Justice handles uh, criminal investigations. But there's a regulation if there is a conflict of interest or if it's in the public public interest. Uh, so we've seen that a lot lately. We saw it with President Trump and Bob Mueller. We saw it with Hunter Biden. And now we are seeing it with Joe Biden and the retention of classified documents from the time he was a senator and vice president. So the question is, is special counsel her required or able to release the transcripts from the actual interview? So I think, as most people know, when you do a thorough investigation, you interview people, and those interviews are under oath, either in a grand jury setting, but not always, but but you, you have to tell the truth, and there's a transcript of those interviews. I would argue he is forbidden from releasing those transcripts, not is he required 100% no, 
Is he able? I would say no. His job is to write a confidential report to the attorney general. That's what his job is. He writes a report, a confidential report. And I give special counsel her credit. There were very few leaks. There are almost always leaks during investigations. And one way to tell whether an investigation is really serious or not, or being done by professional women and men, is how few leaks there are. There were very few leaks, if any. I'm not sure I recall any. But his job is to write a report. And he wrote a report to Merrick Garland. And Merrick Garland decides whether to release that report. And some have argued he had no choice. Um, he did have a choice, but he made the decision to release it. He did not release it with redactions. He could, or if he had redactions, they, they were de minimis, and I don't remember what they were. I actually uh, read the executive summary for sure, and I read parts of the actual report because Merrick Garland decided to make it public. And it was controversial because her uh, questioned the recall and the memory of now President Biden. And there's a whole separate, you know, question I'm not going to get into now as to why that's relevant. Well, you know, first of all, is it relevant? If it is, why is it a, is, is it a defense to say, you know, I had diminished mental capacity or diminished memory? All of that is relevant. But Bob from Oregon's question is, was special counsel required or able to release the transcripts? And the answer is no. Is the Justice Department required? No. Are they able to do so? Yes. This is where it gets dicey. And again, I was talking to my uh, dear friend and future pallbearer, John Lee Ratcliffe. I'm in a universe of one, and I know that. I, I know that people do not agree with me. Uh, John Lee doesn't agree with me, I don't think. My other prosecutorial friends do not agree with me on this, which means I'm lonely, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm wrong. I think prosecutors speak through indictments. You either indict someone or you don't indict them. And if you don't indict them, then you don't malign them. Prosecutors don't do opposition research. Their job is to see whether or not evidence is sufficient to indict. And and I and I do get, I do get, particularly in a case like this, because the president of the United States cannot be indicted while he's in office. So I do get why Merrick Garland might want to say, look, there was an evidentiary basis, but because he is the president and the president cannot be indicted, then he ain't going to be indicted. But there is Plenty of evidence upon which to base an indictment, but we can't do it because of the rule that says the president can't be indicted. I do, I do get that. If you find the evidence wanting or lacking, or if there is an affirmative defense, or if there is some element of the offense for which there is insufficient evidence, I, I just I think we are setting a dangerous precedent. Jim Comey did it with Hillary Clinton. Bob Mueller did it with Donald Trump. I some would argue, I, I say that, 
Bob Mueller did not release the report. He gave it to Bill Barr, remember? Because it is not the job of special counsel to release the report. They write a confidential report and turn it over to the powers that be. Now, Comey is a separate situation. Comey acted completely outside his authority in holding a press conference and announcing that he was not going to charge Hillary Clinton, even though it's not his job to charge her, and then proceeded to list all the reasons he was wrong and really should have. It was a mind-boggling thing to watch. That set a really bad precedent. Prosecutors do not do opposition research. They're not supposed to. Prosecutors don't, like, say, look, we almost indicted this person, and let me, you know, kind of download a bunch of really negative information about them so you know what an awful person they are, but we're still not going to charge. Prosecutors indict. They make charging decisions. They really should not way in much beyond that. So the criticism of Robert Hur to me is misplaced. He did what he was supposed to do. Would I have written the report differently? Yes. Would I have used different phraseology? Yes. But it was Merrick Garland that decided to issue the report. It wasn't Robert Hur. So if you want to be upset with someone, be upset with Merrick Garland, or you can be upset with President Biden for retaining classified information when he was a senator and a vice president and then not remembering it. So, I mean, there are plenty of people you can be upset with. I just wouldn't be upset with special counsel because near as I can tell, he did what he was supposed to do. Well, thank you so much, Trey, for answering that. Thank you, Bob, for the question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Our next question is from Kirk in Louisiana, who writes, after SCOTUS heard the case of keeping Trump off the ballot, does each justice go back in their offices to make their decision? You know, what happened, I never clerked for the Supreme Court of the United States for a number of reasons, not the least of which uh, you have to be really smart uh, to clerk for that court, and you have to have really good grades. So I would have been 0 for 2 on those. But I did, I did work for an appellate court when I got out of law school, so I think I know, and I, I, I have talked to Supreme Court justices, and I know Supreme Court justice law clerks. They know for the most part before they ever walk in for oral argument what they're going to do. I mean, I, it's fun to listen to it. It's fun to hear smart people ask tough questions of other smart people. All of that is, is, is fascinating. I would be willing to bet you of those nine justices Eight of the nine, if not nine of the nine, knew how they were going to vote before we ever heard the first word of oral argument. Because keep in mind, they get briefs. They have written briefs, and they have what we call amici briefs, which are like friends of the court. All these other groups write briefs. 
So you have all of this written material that has already been read before you ever have oral argument. Oral argument is just a chance for the justices to say, hey, look, I read your brief on page 12. You said this, but what about that? So the reality is these justices have made up their minds, I think, before oral argument. They would say not. They would say oral argument is really important. I just am not sure it is. They meet. Well, if it's like other appellate courts I'm familiar with, they actually meet before they go out into the public for oral argument. They may even take a preliminary vote. They may even say, look, okay, as it stands now, we've all read the briefs. Where are people leaning? And it may be, you know, well, I'm leaning this way, but I'm open-minded. I've got some questions I want to ask. And then usually they'll get back together after oral argument. Because keep in mind, I mean, let's assume it's a five to four decision. Okay. Um, Then that means somebody's going to write at least one majority opinion and one person is going to write at least one minority or dissenting opinion. Who picks who writes what? So you have to know where people are leaning. And what really happens, and I've learned this from some of my friends who are federal appellate judges, but they're not on the Supreme Court. There's back and forth among the justices and the judges. You could have a justice that says, look, I'm with you if you rule using this analysis. But if you use that analysis, I I can't be with you. And so there's, I don't want to say negotiation going on, but there's certainly conversation going on. Like there, there are 10 different ways the Supreme Court could say what Colorado did was wrong. There, there are 10 different ways they could do it. Let's assume that Justice Sotomayor and Justice Kagan, who were both put on the bench by Democrat presidents, let's assume they wanted to take one path. They all reached the same conclusion, Colorado's wrong. But they think they're wrong for one reason, and four conservative justices think they're wrong for another reason. So you can have the same result, which is Colorado loses, but nine different opinions as to why Colorado loses. Does that make sense? Or does it, or are you just being nice and walking and loving, saying it makes sense? (laughs) It does make sense. So do they go back to their offices? Yes. Do they make their decision that day? Mm, I would argue lots of them have already made up their minds before oral argument. And there's a lot of give and take. There's, you know, I, I could certainly I could certainly see. I could certainly see Elena Kagan walking into Brett Kavanaugh's office and saying, look, we don't want individual states deciding who's on the ballot for president, but we need to take this off ramp and not that off ramp. So I can agree with you if you write the opinion this way. And again, it's not the result. The result is they all agree Colorado's wrong. It's just they disagree on how to write the opinion. And that could go on for months and months and months. 
Well, thank you so much for answering that question, Trey. And thank you, Kirk, for that fascinating question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. Our last questions from Bill in Missouri, who writes, what are the top 10 books you have read that you would recommend without reservation? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> That's hard. Without reservation. Mm hmm. And that means I've got to kind of like go through my head because, I mean, I would not recommend certain books to you or Terry or Sharia because they the language is not good. Mm. The language doesn't bother me, but I wouldn't recommend it out of respect for y'all. Mm. So I got to sit here and think without <laughs> reservation. Well, this is not in the order in which I would recommend them, but it's just kind of the order in which it maybe hits my head. Okay. Uh, Billy Budd by Herman Melville. Um, and I know people are rolling their eyes saying, dear Lord, I read that book. It, it's just, it's a fascinating study on what hate can do. It, there's so much religious symbolism in it with, with Bud being a Christ-like figure, although John Claggard has the initials JC, which also were the initials of Jesus Christ. He was the bad guy, if you don't remember. Um, I just I think Billy Bud is a fascinating it's a very difficult book to read. I think it's fascinating. Uh this whole natural law versus, you know, equity, what we really ought to do. Do we follow the law even if following it is unjust? The Scarlet Letter um, by Nathaniel Hawthorne, I would recommend. Um, I Have you read that one? I, I, know, I know you major in English. Do you remember reading that one? I do remember that one. I need to reread it, some of those classics. Yeah, I mean, it kind of feeds the cynicism I have for... Uh, certain lines of work. We'll just mm -hmm. we'll just leave it there. How's that? For, That'll we'll work. Leave, we'll, we'll leave, leave it, it there. there. But I uh, love that book. Classic. Uh, newer book, All the Light We Cannot See. Um, just moving, touching, beautifully written. I'm not. Uh, I like books that don't necessarily have a happy ending, and that would be one that does not mm -hmm. have a happy ending. Love in the Time of Cholera uh, is a book that you don't, uh, same author, I believe, that wrote 100 Years of Solitude. It's a book uh, probably a lot of people haven't read, but extraordinarily well done. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, love, yeah, love is in the book, but don't be mistaken. This is, I'm not recommending the notebook. I'm not recommending, you know, some hallmark. It's, it's, a, it's a different kind of uh, love. Gates of Fire is one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, written by Stephen Pressfield. It's about the battle at Thermopylae and what's worth, you know, living and dying for. Circe um, is a book uh, by the same author who wrote uh, Song of Achilles. Um, fascinating in that she takes on Greek mythology, which is sort of sacrosanct. We don't really mess with Greek mythology, but she fills in the blanks. So all of these wonderful stories from Greek mythology, we kind of like if we know Odysseus is on an island for a year, but we just know he was on the island for a year. 
who's going to fill in the blanks and tell us what happened during that year? That That's a tall task to say I'm up for doing that. But I thought Cersei was extraordinarily well done. The Eye of the Needle by Ken Follett. It's an older book. Uh, Ken Follett's a prolific author. He wrote a trilogy that also is really good that I enjoyed. Uh, he wrote The Key to Rebecca. He wrote The Man from St. Petersburg. I, I, I like all of his books, but I would start with The Eye of the Needle. Uh, Crime and Punishment. I know people are rolling their eyes. They're saying it's too long. It's a Russian author. Don't do that to me. You have to read it. You have to read it. It is what guilt does, not just to the human mind, but the physiological manifestations of guilt. It's just, it's, uh, it's, you have to read it. Uh, Anna Karenina, I, I would put, uh, it's weird that you and I are doing this on Valentine's Day. It's coming out the day after. Just such a unusual version of love and what it is and what it is not. And the consequences and how the consequences were visited upon her uh, as a woman in a, in a dramatically different way than the consequences were visited on Vronsky. Uh, her boyfriend. Um, so I would I would put that book on there, and then I would end uh, with the Odyssey, um, which is uh, um, I'm a huge fan of Greek mythology. I think it has stood the test of time, and you, you really, uh, if you haven't read it, you you, you got to read it. It's just it is it has survived the fires of history and scrutiny and review and here it still stands and so you know i'm not good with math i think that's 10 mary langston but for all i know it's 24 so maybe maybe it's not 10 but i'd, I'd do that well that's a great list and i've definitely got to read some of those that you shared and i have read a few of them too that you recommended so thank you for sharing those to well, the audience too I'm sure you've read more books this week than I've read in my life. No. Uh, you were an English major, and and it takes me a long time to read because I have to look up all the words. I don't know what all those <laughs> words mean. So I I do like to read. Um, what am I reading right now? I am reading a book recommended by Dana Perino right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I will finish that up. And then I'm probably going to move to a hundred years of solitude, which is written by the same guy that wrote, uh, love in the time of cholera. So how about yourself? I'm, are, please don't pull a Tim Scott on me and tell me you're reading a self-help book. Well, no, you don't, I'm need not. Any help. you don't need any help. So of all the people in the world that need to read self-help books, you do not need to read them. <laughs> Well, I do enjoy them sometimes, but I actually have been rereading some of the short stories I read in college. And I started that yesterday and I read one that I remembered that I did not enjoy. <laughs> so one? I'm hoping that the next one I read, I will actually enjoy more than yesterday. It was one by Flannery O'Connor. It was a class I took on Southern literature and some of her stuff, you know, I don't know if you're, are you familiar with her stuff? I don't know. If you are. Was it sad? It's sad. Yeah. A lot of her stuff kind of shows redemption 
aspects. Um, but this one had me a little confused. I'll have to send it to you and see what you think about it. Send it to me. No, I just somebody I just bumped into somebody and they asked me to read a short story called The Egg, which okay. I read. Uh, and there's one called and then I told them you should read one called Those Who Walk Away from Moma Loss. Um, I just I, I used I used to. It's funny you mentioned short stories. I used to sit with a book of short stories because uh, I read at night. I read before I go to sleep. Mm. And I just, I, I I loved reading short stories. I mean, it just, you can get through them. Um, do you remember The Necklace? Do you remember reading mm-hmm. that from school? I do, and The Birthmark as well. Yeah, The Birthmark. Um, God, they're just so... So the necklace just broke my heart reading. I know. It was good, though. It was heartbreaking, but it was good. The one I read yesterday is debatable, so I'll have to send it to you and see what you think. But I, well, like I said... Me. But you yeah. know I love unhappy endings, so that is not going to bother me. It's not necessary. It is unhappy. It's just a little strange. Oh. So <laughs> maybe... I read it incorrectly, so I'll have to send it to you and see what you think. But other than reading some short stories, I also am rereading a story that's a, a nonfiction book, and it's the story of Ruth Graham, basically her life story that her one of her really good friends wrote. And when she wrote it, Ruth agreed to it, at least according to the author's point of view. And then after it was out, they stopped talking for like seven years, but then they started talking again. But it is a really good book um, about her life and how she was a missionary kid and just how she really was strong in her faith while Billy Graham was away from the house and she had all the kids. So I'm reading that right now. But like I said, I've already read it. So it's just a reread. I think if I recall correctly, she's one of the people who cannot actually recall the day that she um, made her, what do y'all call it, profession of faith? Is that mm-hmm. the, right? That's right. And she Might also... The right Baptist language. Decision. I don't know what they call yeah. it now, but something uh, like that. But I think, you know, like lots of people can tell you the exact date, the precise date, but I don't think she's one that can. And I, I just, I remember hearing that, but I don't know, when you get old, first of all, you can't hear anything. And then second of all, you can't remember <laughs> what you did here. It's good to go back and reread things because you will be shocked at what you picked up on the first time versus what you pick up on the second time. Mm-hmm. And I am actually, not to belabor this, because I know you have Valentine's Day plans, and if you don't, then John Lee Ratcliffe <laughs> is going to follow through on his promise Oh no! to, to make your husband uh, a distant memory. <laughs> I, I'm sure you have plans, so we'll let you get mm-hmm. to them. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I think I'm about six chapters into writing uh, my first foray into fiction. Yay. That's exciting. I'm excited to read it. Oh, no, you are not either. I know it'll be sad, but I know it'll be worth it. No idea. Yeah, I really have no idea. (laughs) No idea how sad this is going to be. But uh, so, yeah, you keep reading. Reading is I wish I'd done it when I was your age. More of it. Um, But keep doing it. And I hope you enjoy what's left of your Valentine's Day. 
and I'm going to run to Walmart and see what's on the discount <laughs> table that I could get for my beautiful wife. And uh, I guess I'll see you next week. That sounds great. And keep reading yourself and we will see you next Thursday. All righty. Y'all take care. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.